Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Evertonians. Thanks again for tuning in to the Toffee Web Podcast. Um, just a note before we get to this week's episode with myself, Adam McCulloch, L. Bretland, and Andy Howard. Uh, we like to try and do things with as much quality as we can around here, but this week there were some issues with my audio uh, that hopefully won't detract too much from your enjoyment. Uh, so once again, apologies for that. And here's this week's episode. Good ball in and Everton all level. Connor Cody after Anana met it with his head. Connor Cody does have his first goal for Everton. Well, he was the Johnny on the spot there, wasn't he? Inside the six yard box. And the England international gets Everton's equaliser in double quick time. 1 1 at St Mary's. Here's Iwobi. Decent ball in. Onana goes down. Here's Dwight McNeil. What a finish! Everton are 2 1 up. What a start to this second half. From a goal down, Everton are 2 1 up. And that was battered home by Dwight McNeil. What a goal for Everton. Wow. So just tell us the, the, the real game of two halves. First half, plenty of the ball. Second half, the goals finally came. Yeah, I mean, I was I was frustrated at half-time with this because I thought we were playing at 75% and controlling the game and 100% puts you in front and we weren't there. You know, chances in front of goal, sloppy last cross, last pass. Good control, but not effective enough from the, uh, the end of the pitch. And when it goes to that, you worry. You worry that something happens like it did. We concede with a mistake of ours, but then the reaction was great. And... Um, we get two goals, and then in the end we have to see out a game, which is difficult. Comes against Southampton, they're going to go direct, they're going to get bodies in the box, second balls, and we saw it out. But we've got a lot of improvement to do, but I'm delighted with the three points. Hello, Evertonians, and welcome to the Toffee Web Podcast. Back to talk about another win, as Everton extended their unbeaten run in all competitions to eight matches by coming from behind at Southampton to win 2-1, thanks to Connor Cody and Dwight McNeil, who both scored their first goal for the club. We have a reshuffled starting lineup to discuss that and look ahead to Sunday's game against Manchester United. Paul Trail is rested, but Andy Howard continues his run in the side, and both Adam McCulloch and Al Bretland return from their respective layoffs. Uh, fellas, it's becoming a weekly thing now where in the hours before we record, news comes out of a potential candidate to take over the club. Uh, this time it's an American backed SPAC or special purpose acquisition company headed up by the nephew of George Soros that supposedly uh, tried to buy Spurs for $3 billion earlier this year. 
Um, Adam and Al, we talked a bit about uh, the continued interest from Maciek Kaminski last week. Uh, and I suppose until there's something more concrete, there's probably not a lot to add. But did either of you have any thoughts on the prospect of a buyout, uh, specifically from the U.S., which I suppose is where the visible interest seems to be, even though there are rumors of uh, Middle Eastern investors being keen as well? I'd say the mention of Keith Harris is a little a little worrying. Um, someone who <laughs> I thought we'd seen the back of and then come back to potentially be involved in this. Um yeah, I think I think Paul said a similar thing a few weeks ago, and a lot of people I've spoke to have said similar that it's kind of better the devil you know at the minute. Um, if it was a more concrete proposal on offer, if it was someone who looked like they had real intent um, and focus to invest or buy an Everton football club, then people might um, sort of welcome it a little bit more. But because things finally have got to some level of settled state on the pitch. Upsetting the apple cart at this point um, does concern me. And particularly if it's essentially a group designed to make profit, whereas at the minute, despite Maziri's faults, he has invested a hell of a lot of money um, without much thought for turning a profit. Um, So, yeah, on, on that basis... Um, yeah, if something if something more concrete comes up, I'd, I'd potentially welcome it. But for now, I'd, I'd rather just try and focus on the pitch because I'm actually enjoying watching us. So uh, yeah, more 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 of that rather than uh, yeah than buyouts. But we'll see. Eh? Yeah, I'm the same same viewpoint of Adam. You know, things are trucking along quite nicely at the minute. You don't really want anything to 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 change. You know, if this was nine months ago, around the time that. You know, we were on the lookout for a new manager. There was, the, you know, Vitor Pereira appearing on Sky Sports and everything just felt a bit of a mess again. But at the moment, <laughs> it's, sort of, it's sort of back on track. Um, and it is, I just think at the moment, if, you know, results are better on the pitch. You know, it, it's good that when that's happening, you don't hear really what's going on off the pitch. And, you know, it's quite weird, isn't it? We, you know, a lot of us are sort of obsessed with the run of the football club that you want it to go well but when when results like the you know <laughs> two wins in two you do it takes a back seat you, you do just focus on the football again so I'm the same as Adam you know um we're doing quite nicely so I you know keep things ticking over as they are the worrying thing that's kind of struck me this week and listening to a few bits and hearing a few bits and reading a few bits is is what it could mean for the stadium in terms of what kind of deal will be settled on if a new owner or owner owner group comes into the club and that kind of nightmare scenario that I've still got in my head, which I hope never comes to fruition, but that the stadium could be a separate entity from Everton Football Club. And we've waited so long and we feel like we've got the most amazing plot and it, the, all the all the videos and the, the pictures really feel like if we're going to leave Goodison, this is this is where we need to be, and this is going to be amazing um, for it not to be owned by Everton Football Club. Um, so we we wouldn't see the benefits of of it being a, an earner for us. Really, um, would would oh that would that would really hurt after all that we've <laughs> kind of gone through with the stadium over the last twenty years. And more probably. Um, that's my big worry. And I mean, obviously, the stuff about what you guys said is completely true. I mean, continuity is key at the moment, I think. Um, but that kind of struck me in the week of it would be typically Everton to end up in a bit of a mess at the end of it, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, the stadium aspect is, I suppose, is, is the, the one area that concerns me as well, because you do just feel like you want it to get it to get done, and then we can worry about who owns the club and, 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 and that side of things. Um, I mean, the, the thing that worries me is if you, if you read some of the stuff by Paul Viesque and just you look at the, the amount of money that, that Mashiri has put into this, um, you know, how much, I know he's guaranteed certain, a certain level of funding of the stadium himself, but is he going to be able to carry the rest of it if he can't, get an investor on board or if interest rates are so high that we can't borrow the money that we need to complete it. So that's really, if there is an urgency on his side, that might be where it's coming from. 
Um, but yeah, I share all your concerns. And as we said last week, uh, yeah, it's all about things are finally going right now that Mashiri has taken a step back and allowed the people who run the football side to run the football side. Um, and it's finally working. It'd just be nice for Lampard to lead us out the, uh, the strip chat bowl or whatever we're going to see it called. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was an interesting uh, interesting trial balloon from someone, wasn't it? <laughs> back to matters on the pitch. Uh, looking back to last Saturday then, um, not only did Everton avoid defeat at Southampton, whereas we discussed last week, we've had a pretty poor record in recent years, but uh, they won, having gone a goal down early in the second half. Um, I know there's been some criticism of the performance from certain quarters this week, but uh, I mean, I thought that uh, you know things were a little, uh, little ragged in the in the in the second half as the game opened up and Southampton went searching for an equaliser. But uh, you know, in the context of how poor we were at St Mary's on our last two visits and last season in general, for me it was a pretty decent performance. Decent performance. Um, you know, we went there looking to dominate the half, looking not looking to dominate the ball. Sorry, which we did in the first half. Um, yes, we relied on on Pickford to come up big, and there were a few sort of last ditch tackles in there. But uh, you know, this is this is still a team gelling, still a team trying to find a winning habit, um, and you just can't argue with an away win, can you? Yeah, well, I think it. I think it now feels like this is sort of the you sort of your your Everton one hundred and one. You know, the the team solid, it's compact. You know, the the character they showed to to go a goal behind and then get those two goals in quick succession. You know, we haven't seen that from Everton for. A, for a long while, so I just feel like you know the term back to basics. This is Lampard and his, and his staff have just it's got it back to being basic Everton. Basically, the the sort of you can you know you can go into the away game and you know that you you know you're not, you're not going to get a hammering. You you know you can and you you can win the game by by the odd goal, um, even when you're not at the best. And I think for me, and I I, I saw the same sort of criticisms, Lyndon, but I think considering that we 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 have done better in some games and not got the three points. I think at this stage, it is just all about the results. And I think that that was huge. You know, if you, there's always lots of comparisons at the moment with last season. And I think sort of, you could probably say every game this season, we, we would have lost last season, but there's just been that sort of a determination and a sort of almost like an authority on the pitch from, particularly from Tarkovsky and Cody, where they are leading the team and, I just think there's a real cohesion uh, in the team, and I know that you know Everton after after eight games were were top for tackles, were top for clearances, were top for blocks, uh, and were top for saves as well. You know, some 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 people who are into stats would say, well, you know, if you top for tackles, that means that you're doing a lot of defending. But in fact, it's the midfielders who were doing all the tackling. Um, Connor Cody's made one tackle this season, one tackle. Tarkovsky's made less than one tackle a game. It's the midfielders who are, are doing all that running, putting their foot in. And I just think from back to front, it's just working quite nicely. You know, as people say, we haven't played amazing yet this season, but we've just got the basics right that, you know, we're on 10 points after eight games. We're, we're 11th in the table. And it just feels like that Southampton game was a real marker now of, right, we've laid the foundations. We we can build on this now. The, you know, the confidence is back. Um, as I said, that authority and that leadership that we've lacked for so long—that's that's there now, and it feels like the the eleven as well. Um, you can probably name the starting eleven now, whereas in the past you haven't been able to. We've got a settled centre back pairing. Um, you know, we've Calvert Lewin's obviously out, but you know you've got Neil Morpé. You know that you know it'll be one of them playing. Um, so I just think there's like a quite a nice level of um, consistency at the moment, so it, it bodes well. Totally. I think, yeah, the, the words you used, authority, um, you know, there were so many times last year, particularly under Benitez, where players just wanted to get rid of the ball. It was like a hot potato. And now there's more composure on the ball. Uh, there's certainly more hunger and desire off it. I mean, the second goal is just typifies everything that you just said, you know, throwing bodies on the line. Um, are, are players like diving in and put putting their putting their face where it hurts last year under under Benitez, certainly around that spell around which kind of started this time last year, didn't it, when the when the rot started to set in in October. Um throw, throwing bodies on the line and then going up the other end and having that that bit of composure, Anana getting himself in dangerous positions, which is something 
I think we saw when he joined that he was going to offer that and was was a was a threat. Um, could could have added that third goal as well, couldn't he? Um, just after that, so I think that's really promising. But yeah, authority and cohesion, as, as you say, that steel that we've got from having two really settled centre backs, but also that confidence then just spread through all the players. You know, Mikolenko getting stuck in. Um, Coleman slotting back into that side as well, where I, th- I think we, when we spoke about the Patterson injury a couple of weeks ago, there, w- there was obviously that concern because Patterson had been playing so well. But Coleman coming back into a side that's a lot more settled, um, suddenly, you know, he, he shows he's, he's still got it. He's probably not going to do it for 38 games of a season, but he can he can slot in and do a really good job. Um, and then the guys in the middle as well constantly getting forward, constantly covering. Um, yes, we, we probably did concede a few too many chances. Um, the goal was a little bit sloppy that we conceded and um, Alan Armstrong nearly did his sort of pull trail nightmare scenario and nearly scored. Um, <laughs> great save from Pickford, though, which which again, what, what, what a great option to have. Begovic plays fantastically against, against West Ham, but then, you know, you've got Pickford to come back in and makes it makes a crucial save um we look stronger we've got more depth it, it's it's two wins out of two fair enough and obviously a couple of draws before that but there's just so much more confidence you can you can see that at the end with the away fans and um it's yeah I, I don't think anyone's getting ahead of themselves but it's it's just so nice to feel connected to what's happening on the pitch um to feel a part of it and to and to see the players bouncing off each other, and obviously then the then the fans follow. So um, it, it bodes well for uh, for Sunday night. I tell you what's brilliant at the moment. Apart from the wide players and maybe the centre forward, that you kind of will blow hot and cold. They will have games when they're when things happen, and they'll have games when things don't. But if you look at the core of the team, apart from that, can you remember the last time an Everton player had a stinker? Hmm. Like we used to have those games last year when you say, "Oh wow, did you see, you know, four out of ten, three out of ten, you know, that they they were leading, you know, big errors leading to goals or just not on it for however long they were on the pitch." I mean, I look across the the, the performances this season. I mean, everybody in the core of the team is playing seven out of ten, and if if not more, you know, um, and I think that is just so refreshing to see at that level of consistency through the squad. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, I think we've had our fair share of luck. Um, I'm going to say that and run away, am I? No, I'm all right. No, everybody's nodding. Um, <laughs> I think, here's one, I think Everton Football Club have been relatively lucky on the pitch this year. This year. And that's not to go... That's not to put down anything that Lampard and his coaching staff have done, anything the recruitment team have done, anything that the individual players that have done have come into the side. We've got a world-class goalkeeper. We've got the two dads at centre-half, which are great. We've got all of these things, which are just fantastic and falling into place. You need a bit of luck when you're in the middle of the table. Well, any, anywhere. You know, if you're going for the league, you need a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. But, but I think we've had it. You know, I think you could argue in the first three games of the season, we felt like we'd been unlucky not to get more points. But since that point, I mean, how many could Brentford have scored? Leeds was a decent point. Liverpool could have gone either way, but there was all sorts of woodwork, you know. Um, and in the game since, West Ham hit the post last, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Southampton had that volley in the, the last second of the game, went over the bar. You know, we've... We've um, we've bemoaned our luck for years, and quite rightly because we have been unlucky. But I feel like it's just to get us going and to give us that that foundation. We've just had enough to get us going, and and you, and you look at the luck of the timing as well. The timing of the Arsenal game getting um, cancelled. I mean, we may have gone to the Emirates and won. Who knows? But let's be honest, we probably wouldn't have. Um, the timing of that being rearranged just has allowed us to get this little bit of momentum. I think, and so. You know, I think we've been we've had our fair share of luck, I would say, but that's not to do anything down because it's great. I just hope we have some more. Now you've said that because I heard we've we've had it, and <laughs> the Evertonian in me thought that's it now. Then. 
I don't know though. We've had so little luck, as you said, Andy, for so long that I think we really are due. How how long this this stretch of luck continues, I don't know. But I mean, you, you also you also kind of make your own luck. You know, I mean, yeah, we got ourselves into trouble. You know, after we after we equalise, I mean, the, <laughs> having given away one goal from a really poor pass from Adrissa Gay, which I've actually watched it again, and it looks looks slightly better on, on watching it again because I think Onana is just not on the same wavelength and he's gone forward and Gay's put it into an area where he thought he was going to be. But Tarkovsky's pass for the for the, the that series of chances that Southampton had immediately afterwards was, was pretty bad. Um, but you know you had the, the goalkeeper in the right place and you had two defenders who made fantastic blocks. Um, so you, you you've earned your luck in that situation. Um, you know, and as you say, that that last that chance in the last minute that could have gone in, but you know, and it didn't, and it could have. We could have quite easily, if uh, you know, Onana doesn't have his fifty p head on. Maybe we've gone three one up, and the game is is dead. So, yeah, I think uh, we've we've had our, our share of bad luck from officiating decisions, from VAR decisions, um, just the rub of the green for so long. I think we really are due it, and um, if that, you know, if that's what it takes to sort of get us moving in the right direction. And, and and learning from those mistakes that we're making because you know there's only so many times you're going to make those kind of terrible outballs from your defence before you you know you learn the lesson and we do something else so uh, yeah I mean I'm not going to bemoan luck not at all just got a few notes about a few individuals you want to cover Dwight McNeil. Yeah, it's great that he got the goal. I think he really needed the goal. He needed something, didn't he, in an Everton shirt um, that wasn't a pre-season friendly. Um, uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I heard uh, someone say the other day that he's actually two months older than Anthony Gordon, something like that. And we all see Anthony Gordon as this project and this kind of, you know, still a bit of a rough diamond and you never really know what you're going to get. And I don't think we you apply the same theory when someone comes in for good money um sometimes you expect them to be a bit more rounded and I know he's played more than 100 Premier League games so maybe that's fair but yeah I think we need to look at him a little bit differently to what we've been looking at him um he's he's a young lad that's the difference isn't it it's the fact that he has played so many matches is that you feel like Dwight McNeil's been around forever yeah and so you naturally then have a bit more expectation but as you say they are almost the same age but if I played a hundred times for Burnley, I probably would have given up by now. Yeah. It puts years on you, that surely. I feel like Burnley, everyone's at least 31. <laughs> I think for me, for Dwight McNeil, his, narrative, his Everton narrative just reminds me a lot of Simon Davis in the sense that he's arrived at Everton to, you know, as, a, as an important player. He's, he's got those Premier League appearances, but for whatever reason... Evertonians just haven't some Evertonians just haven't really fancied him or felt that he's not done enough and you know Davis was the same he got a winner in October in his first season so but hopefully that's where the similarities end <laughs> and McNeil can have a bigger impact but I, I just feel that there's that, that something from from the fan base just isn't really feeling Dwight McNeil at the moment and I think as Andy said he needed that goal I think and if he can if he can maybe get an assist or another goal in his next few games, I think it just will allow people to see that you know he's effective. Because um, I think I think he posted on social media that you know it, it's been a difficult start to his Everton career, both physically and mentally. And you know we're all different. You don't know how much he reads, how much you know the vibe even he gets at the stadium. Um, so yeah, I just think that you know if he can really kick on, I think I think that'll be really good. Because at the moment, I just feel like the fans are a bit. Lukewarm towards him, maybe. I think Luke lukewarm is fair. Yeah, I I think as well it's it's got to be hard for him because other players during this sort of mini run um, have picked up more of the acclaim. You know, everyone's suddenly, you know, well not, not suddenly, but ve- very positive about the likes of Iwobi. Um, obviously, Garner Gay coming back in, Anana who's new, Gordon and Gray have got that kind of flair about them out wide. Whereas McNeil is is a different. Sort of sort of player. He's he's more industrious. He's he's got that really cracking left foot though, and obviously we 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 saw that in the preseason friendly against uh, Dynamo Kiev, um, and we saw it the weekend. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really pleased for him. Um, 
I just think feel, feeling as though you, you're part of it more, um, which a, a, a winner in a, in a game like that, in a tight game, um, that's that's definitely going to galvanise him and, like you say, hopefully improve that that relationship with the fans. But I think if if, if that's our sort of biggest negative um, player relationship compared to where we were, say, last year when I uh, got the likes of Andre Gomez coming on and, and you can feel the frustration, even, even Iwobi at the start of last year at times during that bad run, um, and I can name others as well. Uh, there's, there's certainly not that. There's no pantomime villain. Um, it's it's just a, a generally positive atmosphere. And I, th- I think a lot of that is down to um, keeping the right kind of characters around the place, um, but also that, that fresh injection we've had with the likes of Gay, likes of Inanna. And yeah, as, as, as we've said, and, I'm, and I'm, I hope we'll be saying as the season continues Tarkovsky and Cody um particularly Cody I mean if, if you're a Wolves fan now you must be kicking yourself you must be so disappointed because it does seem as though that change happened due to the manager and due to a change in style and he's not only has he proven him wrong but he's proven him wrong in, in a back four as well so that they they must be really frustrated because he's he, he's shown on and off the pitch that he he, he Gets the club and his, his performances have been uh, outstanding. So I, I was I was chuffed for him to get the goal as well. I was really pleased for him. The mind boggles on that one, doesn't it? I mean, mm. um, he, I mean, because you'd think the kind of character he is, even if he wasn't going to be in your first eleven, if everybody's fit, he's the kind of bloke you keep around, don't you? Yeah. Um, so it must have been a huge breakdown in 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 a relationship there. Um, uh, I don't know. I, was the um, was Connor Cody's wife's social media comment? Was that kind of genuine? Was that a, an actual? I saw one in the week say uh, when Bruno Large was sacked, saying um, today couldn't get any better or something like that because um, Cody'd scored for Everton and so he'd got the sack. Or this week couldn't get any better or whatever it was. I mean, there was obviously a breakdown in communication, but that is a that's a big bit of mismanagement. That well, yeah, it looked genuine to me. But I think the key the key thing there is. They might not have had a, a, a big falling out, but the, the fact that you drop your your club captain, um, you know, to go with two less experienced players on the let's let's now admit a flawed assumption that he can't play properly in a back four. I mean, if you're if you're a player, you just want to play football week in week out. I mean, and, and an opportunity to comes up to go to go back to your you know your home city. I just think it's it's worked out perfectly for him. Um, and it, it just goes back to what we were saying earlier: is the pair of him, of him and um, Tarkovsky at the back, it, it just provides that stability that it's so important. It's it's so, it's something that can really be overlooked. Just the consistency of um, personnel, particularly in central central defence. I mean, it was the bedrock on which you know our title winning sides were were formed were formed in the eighties. It makes such a difference if you've got the same people in the same positions week in week out, because you say everyone knows their job. And you can start to get to get to that feel where it becomes second nature. Players know where other players are going to be. And um, that's one of the biggest differences, I think, this season. It's just the fact that we now have this consistency. Seamus did well. I thought we, we spoke about Seamus last week, didn't we? And for us last week, there was no debate. I don't know why there ever was a debate whether he should be playing or not if Patterson's injured. Did great. Um, like you said, Adam, I don't think he's going to do it every week until May, but I mean, I've got absolutely no worries about Seamus Coleman. Um, and yeah, it does change us ever so slightly, but you know, I, I, I think um, I, I just like to, 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 to note that I think in our, um, in our pod this week, that um, he did a great job. I thought his delivery was good as well, which is probably one of the areas he, he does get a bit of stick. Um thought, thought he put some good balls in the box and I think, Tying in with McNeil as well, having Anana running in as that wild card option because um, he, he's so big, he does so well for the uh, first goal, um, and yeah, he, he's easily easily could have added that third. Um, having him as an option arriving late in the box does give us an extra dimension, and it means that even if we are playing Mopay, who is sort of wiry but obviously not going to win aerial duels necessarily um 
having him running in there for set pieces, set pieces as well. Should, should mention that the, the first goal was something we were talking about with delivery. Uh, great ball in from Gray, um, which was really positive to see. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think Anana having having more of that confidence, which again he's 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 new to the team. He's he's a, he's a young lad, but it does show where I think how Lampard wants us to set up where we'll have two two midfielders who can who can roam who've got that license to move around who've got that mobility um I was I was looking back to sort of where we were this time last year and it was it was the uh, after eight games and um it was a home game against West Ham that we lost to a set piece goal um pretty tight game but we conceded all the possession and again it was it was very just wanted rid of the ball, no real composure. Um, I think when I was looking at the lineups, there were there were four players: Pickford, uh, Gray, Iwobi, and Coleman who who started. It's it's it, the team has changed a lot, and the big thing that stands out is is that midfield. Last year we were so reliant on Decore when he was fit to do pretty much all the running in that central area. He was doing the running for Alan. Um, for Gomez, if Gomez was, was was playing, and now you've got three really mobile players who can cover ground, as you said before, Ella, who, who, were, who were making tackles and winning the ball back, but are also looking more and more progressive as that confidence breeds through the team. Um, yeah, we conceded chances against Southampton at the weekend, but I think against a fairly porous-looking uh, Manchester United side, albeit I'm basing that on uh, two hat tricks from sort of two. PlayStation footballers really uh, at the weekend. I think the likes of the likes of Iwobi and and Co running at, at that Manchester United defence suddenly they, they've got that confidence and, and we've got that confidence in them because they know they've got Gay behind who's going to sweep everything up. They know they've got Cody and Tarkovsky to keep everything settled, and then they also know they've got Pickford as as the sort of last line of defence. It's as, as you said earlier, Ali. It just you feel more secure whether it's an away game um, or or a game against a so-called bigger side. Um, you feel like we're not going to be on the end of a drubbing, and you also uh, certainly over these last two weeks, uh, last two games. Sorry, we've seen that we can have an effect at the other end of a pitch, and I, I, as, as as these players sort of grow into the system and uh, yeah, get get used to playing together, I think I think we'll see more of that. So I'm. I'm I'm quietly optimistic about Sunday. I, th- I think Iwobi is is really. I know we've all said it, but he is like the key player now. We've all seen it with our own eyes. The the improvement, but the stats as well are incredible. That you, if he if he continues the trajectory he's on by Christmas this season, he will have dwarfed his numbers from the previous three seasons combined. Wow. It, it, it's it's really scary. He's got three assists this season. The previous three seasons, he's got four. Um, and I was looking, so he's played 111 forward passes in the first eight games. The season 2020-21, he played 155. So already, like, it, it, it's just crazy. Through balls, he's played five this season. That season, he played two in the entire campaign. Um, so just that effectiveness and the efficiency. You know, Lampard has completely revolutionised that player. Um I'm revolutionised, you know, how our midfield works. Um, and that's, I think that's what Lampard and his staff, they deserve massive kudos for that because obviously the Wobie's the one doing it on the pitch. But for Lampard to to see that instantly and, you know, I, I heard a, you know, a friend of a friend said that privately, I think Lampard and Ashley Cole, I think they identified a Wobie as our best player in the team last season. Uh, even when things were bad, and if you'd have asked forty thousand of Goodison who's our best player, not one person would have said of Awobi. But but they saw something in him that you know he 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 can he can drive forward. It's it's those through balls, but it's it's I I always mention about cohesion in the team. A lot of Everton players that we've signed over the years, like the last since Mashiri came in, I think they've been weakened by the players around them because we've not bought players to go together, mm-hmm. and I think I think. You know, I think that's where Iwobi's been boosted. That you know, we're we're playing exactly how he needs to play. We're playing him in the position that he needs to play. Um, so I think, as I say, Lampard and his team they just deserve a lot of credit, really, to get to, as you said, Lyndon before getting the best out of the players at your disposal. You know that that's the art of coaching. You know, Lampard hasn't come in and made excuses. 
that you know he's come in and it's a bit of a ragtag squad. He's come in and got the best, and you sort of look at the squad now, and I think we're in a really good place because there is no more of that Deadwood really, and even the players, you know, some fans twelve months ago would have said Awobi was part of that Deadwood that we needed to move on. You know, a really yeah. expensive flop. Yeah, and in that time that Lampard's been in nine months, absolutely transformed him. So. You know, it it just bodes really well for for the players that come in. You know, and on as a young lad, Dwight McNeil, as we said, Anthony Gordon. Hopefully, they will just get better under this management team. I think I think you could add others in as well. I think I think Gray at the weekend, um, obviously started last season really well, um, scored some important goals, but he, he's been a lot more consistent, um, particularly at this this sort of run, this unbeaten run. Um, put some great balls into the box besides a set piece delivery um, on Saturday, um, and yeah, I, I, I think yeah, all, all credit does go to the coaching, um, but also playing playing to the strengths of of, of what we've got. Like you say, identifying a way would be um, and, and the role you can do, but then recruiting around it rather than sort of going oh, a number ten, great, you know, or, or just just anyone, but whether it's a name or whether it's a sentimental signing. Um, you could argue Garner Gay's the perfect signing because he's both sentimental and very pragmatic as well. Um, but I think it, it's it's all it all just seems very sensible and very simple. Really, um, it's just amazing that it's taken us, you know, six or seven years of a Missouri <laughs> to to, to, to yeah. finally to finally get to this point. Um, but long may it continue. But you, you mentioned Gray Adam as well. I think that Damari Gray, sort of, even when he was at Leicester, he wasn't, you know, the finished article, and he'd maybe make the wrong decisions. But I think, especially from the games I've gone to live, there just seems to be a. Re- I, th- I feel like he's matured as a player. Often he would get the ball and would love to run at players, but I, I just know I've noticed recently, there's times where he he will just make that sideways pass, or he will just put his foot on it, and it's almost like he's assessing things, whereas. I wouldn't be as harsh to say he was a headless chicken at times last season, but you know there was that running aimlessly trying to beat players. Whereas I feel like you know that's probably come on the training pitch as well, where Lampard's probably told him, "Look, you know, just just assess things and you know keep the ball this way." Or you know, you've because I think he's also I think on the diagonal he's got a very good passing range, and I think Demari Gray is a good player for switching the play from right to left quite quickly, um, especially in those like forward positions. So. As you said, Adam, it is. It, there's just, I think, everyone to a man has has improved. Um, and it's just taken Everton to, it's taken us up a level, which is just, take, you know, we were that bad last season going up a level. It's just taken us to that, like, that nice base to, to really kick on now. I can't think of anybody who hasn't improved that's still there. Rondon. But I know, I. I well, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's been. Can I, can I even venture suggest he he's been quite effective when he's come on late in what you want him yeah. to do? Yeah, um, which is is I think why we thought we were signing him. Obviously, he ended up uh, yeah spending a bit too much time in the starting lineup when he clearly wasn't fit. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll I'll take your point. Yeah, he, if he does that thing that he did at West Brom, sort of run into a channel and hold the ball when we're 1-0 up at late on in a game, then, yeah, he can, he can do that all season long. I'll be very happy with that. But, yeah. I think I think with Rondon, it's that contrast, those first three games where we had the three wingers as the false nine. When Rondon's on the pitch, it pushes that the opposition defence back five, ten yards. And it, it does so, you know, that basically that every, every member of the team now is important for where we're at until January. You know, even Solomon Rondon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Salah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so t- looking ahead then to the United game again, uh, historically difficult fixture given our record overall in the Premier League era against them. Um, but I think as we'll get into our uh, weekly question in a bit, well, we've had some cracking results against them down the years. And I think we've won five of the last 10 at Goodison. There's some pretty memorable wins in that stretch. Um, I think it was this weekend we're obviously going to be facing either a wounded animal following that, you know, they're drubbing it at City um, or potentially demoralised team right for the kicking while they're down. Uh, I think they've got some, they've got some really dangerous players. Um, it looks like Casemiro will start. That seems to be the, 
the, the sort of the rumblings that he's finally going to get his start. Um, and you've always got to be wary of a team that has players um, that can score from anywhere, like Anthony did um, at the Etihad. Um, but I think as they showed it's, um, at the weekend and again at Brentford, if you, you can really rattle them, and you, they can go into a bit of a tailspin mentally. Um, and so I think that we just need to, to concentrate on, on what we've done well, which is defend solidly and, and look to hit them on the break. Um, Adam, how do you see this one going? Um, I'm, as, as I said before, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I think there's a few times when TV scheduling really annoys us as supporters, but this one might have worked in our favour a little bit because I think Goodison under the lights, as opposed to that, sort of vaguely hungover Saturday lunchtime kickoff, uh, but this obviously would have been. Um, I, I think that plays into our hands and I th- I think they will they will be more worried about this than we are. We we've we're we're coming into this on two good two really good results, um other strong results before that. Um and yeah, you're right. It 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 could be a wound animal sort of situation where um They've got a point to prove, and they have got a few players who tend to do quite well. Again, like Martial um, came on at City, and you could see him starting. He, he always seems to find a level against us. Um, but I think look, t- taking away the sort of individuals who who can do us damage, I, I think we've we've certainly got enough to have a good go at them. Um, I guess the interesting thing from a selection point of view will be. Um, who who plays in those wide positions? Because McNeil's confident after the goal, but Gordon, you would normally expect to start. Uh, was unwell, unwell, sorry for the uh, for the last game. So that'll be an interesting one. To see how Lampard manages that. Um, I'd I'd probably for a team spirit sort of thing suggest playing McNeil, um, and also because I think if we are playing. Well, as I expect, we we will play uh, Seamus having having um, the kind of industrious off the ball running that McNeil offers um, will help us out and, and and also put some put some pressure on them because they have got mistakes in them uh, playing out from the back. Um, so that I, I guess that would be the talking point. I think the rest of the team pretty much picks itself, doesn't it? Um, and. I think regardless of who they play, whether likes Casemiro play, um, whether Ronaldo uh, comes on, smashes a phone afterwards, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think I think we, we, we've certainly got enough to to give them a good game, and and as you said, there've been some great ones at Goodison recently. So if we can if we can channel a bit of that, and uh, yeah, what, what what a great end to the weekend that be. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and yeah, I, I'm certainly more positive. Not not positive. I'm more uh, I'm more in a sort of a happy frame of mind than I was uh, for this fixture last year, where it, it the, the the nerves alone um, before that that game last April, um, no knowing we had to get get the win. This this feels more like a bit of a free hit, really. Um, so I I just I just hope we we give them a good game and um, show what we can do. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's the perfect opposition. I think after after the two wins, and I think it's the fact they they got a hammer in at City. I do. I just I just think because it means that we we won't rest on our laurels. If this if this was a, a mid table team or a team down the bottom, you know, if you, if Everton aren't on it first five ten minutes, it, you know that that lethargy creeps in. Whereas I think Man United at home, you know, it, under the lights, as you said, Adam. I think that's that's perfect where the team is at, and I think where the fans are, because you know, cautious, cautiously optimistic. Adam is like sky high compared to last <laughs> season, isn't it? Like uh, you know, riding the crest of the wave sort of thing. Um, so for me, I, I just think the the conditions are, are, are quite nice for us. That you know, that the pressure's on United because they do have to bounce back. They've got to put that performance in. I think Casemiro, yes, he's played in in. Champions League finals, he's won the European Cup, but coming to Goodison Park and the sort of the the feeling around the place at the minute, that's going to be a big introduction to the Premier League for him. Um, and you know he, he's very tidy, very good on the ball, 
But, you know, we, we have to hope that maybe he's not acclimatised to the to the pace of the Premier League and we can sort of take advantage of that even. You know, as good a player he is, you know, I think United are still in that sort of finding their feet stage. Um, and as we saw, Brentford hit four past them in a, in a first half. So if we can come flying out the blocks, I think I think we can we can hurt them and you know really twist the knife. To be honest, I, I am quite quite positive. I'm really positive. I I I am um, I'm actually I I agree with that you L completely. I, I I couldn't have picked a team we'd rather play at the moment um, just because of them, but also because of us. And I I think. Um, I think it'd be one of those nights. It could be one of maybe we'll we'll talk about a few of them in a moment. I expect, but it could be one of those nights at Everton at Goodison that um, that is one of those. I wouldn't say famous, of course, but one of one of those nights at Goodison where everything comes together um, because we are well, we're, we're we are looking good. We there's there's nothing really that changes from our point of view. Does Calvert-Lewin get on the bench this time? Maybe. Um, love to see him up against Martinez, wouldn't you? Um, um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't be more confident about a Manchester United game than, than I am now. And, and the, with that, there's also the kind of feeling that, OK, well, if it doesn't go our way, you know, if it, I, I, I still think it'll be a close game because we're in every game now. And I, you know, a, a point wouldn't be too bad. A narrow defeat, if we play like we have done in the last few weeks, there's still a sign of progress there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've got nothing to add on the on the lineup. I think he'll keep it exactly the same. If I'm completely honest, um, I, I, I think he'll keep McNeil in. I think it, it, he he probably owes him that one. Um, and you know, we've got Anthony Gordon to come on if 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 the game does need to be stretched a bit later on. Um, and hopefully we see Dominic back on the bench. That would be the one thing that I'd like to see. But I don't know whether I don't know whether we're going to see that. I don't know what the feeling is on on him. Um, obviously absent again from from the Southampton bench. Um, the club's obviously trying to do the right thing, but it, it, we've got to see him soon, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see what uh, what Lampard says in his press conference. Probably going to be Friday, I would think, seeing as we're playing Sunday. Um, but yeah, I, I, we haven't even mentioned Calvert Lewin. He would add just that different that different dimension. Let's go down memory lane as we pose the question, um, which obviously concerns this weekend's opponents. Uh, and the question is, which is your favourite game against Manchester United? I think the original premise was going to be at Goodison, but let's do just United, home or away. Who wants to kick it off? I'll go. Um, I know. Twitter's been uh, a buzz with uh, responses to this as well. Um, if I was going to pick Goodison, um, two words, big dunk, um, that header. Uh, but I, I feel like I've spoken about that game in two or three other questions, uh, just for, for context, best goal, best big dunk memory, um, most joy, I don't know. But... Um, if, if I was if I was to pick another uh, another game against uh, against Manchester United, I'd probably go with the um, the away game one uh, nil Brian Ovidio, um in uh, in the Martinez season, uh, just because it, it got it got the monkey off the back. I think it had been twenty twenty games uh, that we'd. That we'd not won um, in a row against Manchester United. I think, I think that the last time we won at Old Trafford was um, '92. Um, so to to get a win there, and, and the manner that we did as well, um, the likes of Delafeo, um, Barkley, Lukaku, it was it was a really fun team. It was a freewheeling team, and, and and the goal was a bit mad as well, wasn't it? The way it came across from Lukaku, sort of like scuff for shot, but it just just fell because suddenly. Your left back was bombing on in the area late on, um, with with five minutes to go, and it was it was a departure from what we'd seen before um, in those kind of games. Um, we 
we, we really had a good go at them. And we also, I, I guess with a, with a parallel to the side we've got now, we, we did, um, I, I think you mentioned it before, actually, that we, we had that sort of solid centre-back pairing as well. So we had the the daft Martinez onslaught, but there was there was a, a pragmatic base to it. So it, it 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 really it really did work, and I think that that game was typical of it. Um, it was it, it was it was a lot of fun. So and a, another narrow one nil win um, with a positive performance. I've I'd, I'd take that all day long. So I'll 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 have that as my my most memorable one, just because. I knew that someone else would have some of the FA Cup ones, and there's there's, there's, there's been some there's been some great ones. So uh, yeah. that, was, that was as niche as I could go. Yeah, so um, I think mine, as Adam mentioned, the big dunk one. I remember I was really really ill that I was off school Monday to Friday that week, but I happened to find myself inside Goodison Park on the Wednesday night somehow, <laughs> um, and it was just, it's just, it was that. I feel like. That was the season we we finished top four, and I felt that that was the the hurdle that we overcame. Where you thought this is happening, this is actually happening. You know, we are gonna we are gonna finish top four, um, and yeah, it was just it was just one of those one of those nights as as Andy mentioned with Goodison those night games. There's something in the air. I think you can feel it even when it's nil nil. You know that goal's going to come, and I feel that that was very much one of those games. Um, so for me, that's that's the absolute standout. But I also, for me personally, I remember being eight, and the first time I watched United was when they were the treble winners, and it was the opening game of the season. Um, Dwight York put them ahead, and Yap Stam scored an own goal with five minutes to go. And as an eight-year-old to to draw with Manchester United was just it was just massive. For me, it was just massive. I'd, I'd seen these players come back against Bayern Munich. They'd won the treble. You know, I, I was born 1990, so for me, my as a child, Man United were the team, like, by, by a country mile. And to see them in the flesh, and then to see Everton not lose 4-0 to them, <laughs> was, just, was just massive. And I also remember, this is very geeky of me, this is a, a memory that Everton actually lost the game. But I've actually, just as a as a geeky football fan, I've got some of the ticker tape from when Man United lifted the league at Goodison. Um, I think that sort of shows you how little I've had to celebrate as an Evertonian <laughs> that I just grab whatever I can. Um, but again, I was only I think I was only twelve at the time, and I think it was David Beckham's last game for United. Um, so for me, though, those memories as well are just. You know the size of Man U at the time, and seeing my my team take them on. Um, yeah, it's just always been a, a, a special fixture, I think. Uh, I've got a short list here. Um, I could go anywhere with it. I mean, you know, if we're talking Goodison, um, I, I'm not embarrassed to say that last season's game um, actually made me cry. Um, and I wasn't at the game. I was watching on telly. And I think it must have been the relief. Because it was like it had just been building, hadn't it? And it was it had been a horrible few months. And I think when Anthony Gordon scored, I was really struggling. Uh, and then at the end of the game, I kind of just... I'm so glad I was on my own. I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> it, it kind of just poured out of me. And I got, I got no idea why. Um, I think it was just the, the, the definition of relief, really. Um I mean, I was at Goodison when we beat them 3-0 in 2015, um, which was a... I, I remember that day because I went with my mate um, for who's, who lives in Bristol and he took his little boy for the first time, first ever game at Goodison. And we were walking up Goodison Road and I said, all right then, Freddie. He was about five or six. I said, what's the score going to be today? And he said, we're going to beat them. And it's going to be like three or four nil. I was like, Freddie, you haven't watched enough football in your life. Um, and, you know, and he was absolutely right. And I think he went away from the stadium always thinking that we beat Man United 3-0. And I'm a bit like hell. I'm a bit kind of haunted by United in the past. But um, I think from, from my those, I mean, if I was going to choose one of those, I'd choose last season just because of the importance of the game, the importance of the result, and the fact that I was, you know, and, and, you know I'm so emotional about it. You've obviously got the cup final. If you're going to go away from Goodison United, um, ten thousand days ago, everybody. 
Um, and you've got the 4-4 at Old Trafford, which was unbelievable when Pienaar scored late. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and that was at a time when the team was starting to, you know, the feeling was starting to change, wasn't it? That we could actually go, you know, um, when was that? 2012. Um, you know, we, I thought that team was going places. I mean, you had the 3-3 at Goodison when Arteta scored late twice. Actually, no, Cahill and Arteta, wasn't it? Both in injury time. I'd forgotten about yeah. Oviedo. Um, and then Calvert-Lewin at Old Trafford when Hammers scored. I mean, pick a favourite out of that. I'd probably go the cup final because it's bloody lucky we won that day in the end. Otherwise, we'd be talking about even more years. <laughs> yeah. You can't really go beyond the cup final, can you? I mean, I was thinking purely in Premier League terms, but obviously the cup final takes it. I mean, that was just, uh, it was it was an unbelievable, unbelievable day. I mean, you've, you've rattled off um, most of my shortlist there, Andy. Um, and it, it is hard to, to pick a favourite because, you know, we've had so many, there was a stretch where playing Manchester United home and away, it's a bit like playing City now, which just felt like a fool's errand. If there wasn't any point in us even turning up, it was just ritual humiliation. And I think in the last decade, obviously apart from the um, the match in 2005, that, that again is, is, I think that might have been my favourite league game had we actually qualified for the Champions League group stages. I feel, almost feel like the fact that we didn't as kind of tarnish that that match in a way and there's, there have been some some great games but I think the, the the one that first came to mind for me was the the one where Moyes' first game back at Goodison and we beat them 2-0 and there was the Grim Reaper in the stands behind him I think that that is the one that the first one that came to mind and it is one of my favorites um, because you know obviously Martinez got it absolutely spot on that day um, and it was so nice to put one over Moyes that season. So I think that's the one. I had a pint with that Grim Reaper on that before the game. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. He was a mate of a mate. And it was, a, 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 I think it was maybe a betting company he was working for. And it was a bit of, yeah. you know, a bit of mischief making. And mm. uh, obviously he came up from London, didn't know anyone in Liverpool. So he came to meet my mate for a drink with, with his Grim Reaper. <laughs> You know, outfit on. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little claim to fame there. But yeah, another one we've not mentioned as well is the uh, the four nil under Marco Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was on my list too. And, yeah. Uh, Dean, yeah, that was that was another again. I think that was sort of in the the peaks and troughs that we have as Evertonians. That was when Silva's team really it felt like something was was brewing. Um, yes. Yeah. And then the next season starts and it didn't. But <laughs> but that, that felt like a, another good moment for us. And, you know, 4-0 against United was amazing. There's also the 1-1 at Old Trafford when Duncan took over the first time, which, you know, yeah. it, it felt like a thing, didn't it? Like, you know, the, the, the away end that day and, and Duncan, like, running up and down the touchline when we'd scored a really dodgy goal. And it, <laughs> I, it was, yeah, that, that's another one that I I, I, I put down. Um of course, there's the Duncan one the first time round as well. Mm. Before, you know, um, 95, was it? Must have been. Um, so, yeah. I, I think 96, I think it was. Might yeah. have been. Yeah. We started that season it just, well. It just feels like of all, the, of all the top teams that have always been the top teams, you know, in the last 20 years, it always feels like we've, there's just I, I know we did lose to them year after year after year, but you're right. In the last 10, 15 years, it's just something about us playing United that I don't know. It's been some weird results, hasn't there? Um, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't think they'll be looking forward to it no. on Sunday, p- particularly no, yeah, because it's that they evening won't. game. We're we're exactly who they they wouldn't want to face coming off that. They would have they would have liked a cushy little home game against. Forest or someone like that, and instead they're going to know they're, they're in for a game as soon as they arrive. Um, and yeah, if, if we can channel any of those past performances, uh, yeah, be a good end to the weekend. It's one of those. It's one of those oppositions, though, isn't it? It's, it's that brings the best out of us usually. Um, certainly from the fans' point of view. I mean, it's it's kind of a secondary derby, isn't it? It's, it's a an old, an, a historic old foe who we just love putting one over if we can. So. Uh, Ah, oh, be nice, eh? If we could get that one three on the bounce. Ooh. Okay, fellas, thanks for that. Uh, it's a wrap for this week. 
Uh, do tune in next week when we'll review Sunday's game and look ahead to another tricky match, this time against Tottenham in North London. Until then, thanks so much for listening and come on the Blues. And a free kick in a fairly dangerous spot. Phil Dow tells him to wait for the whistle. Once that wall back the full 10 yards, Phil Dow. In. It's a good one and it's in! But Ferguson takes the adulation. And if it is to go to him, it's his seventh career goal against United. It was a teasing ball in. Just keep your eye on Rio Ferdinand. It was the header from Ferguson. It didn't get a touch, it was true. And that is a brilliant, brilliant goal for Everton. Well, that is unstoppable. Ferguson came in. Look at that. Glanced past Tim Howard. And it gives Everton a priceless lead. Look how much it means to him. And that is the final whistle. And that could become... A really famous win tonight. Duncan Ferguson is again the Everton hero when it comes to beating Manchester United. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.